One. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hits podcast for the 5th of January 2018. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHits.com. And I'm Ryan Wilson, hockey writer for Hockey Buzz, Penguins. Good to see you can remember. Um, you, t- you took me out of my... <laughs> I can't even... What do I do? Yeah. See, this is what happens when you reverse stuff around. It all changes up. Um, well, with that said... Um, what we're going to discuss today, basically, um, the tire fire that is the Pittsburgh Penguins, um, the trade rumors swirling around Max Pacioretty, um, what do the Penguins do, um, and anything else that sort of tickles our fancy around the around the league. It's a snow day for Ryan, so he's thrown some questions out. We'll probably reply to some of those. Where do you want to start? Um, you can start with the penguins. Where, where within that? Uh, yeah. So that's the challenge, isn't it? Um, I stand by what I said last week. This team is not making the playoffs, no matter what they do. Oh, that's bold. It is. They, they, they can't trust their goaltending. Yeah, their, their goaltending's um, below average. They. The only thing you've ever asked about the goaltending for this roster is to be at least average. And if they were average, they wouldn't keep dropping off um, Mr. Tierney's uh, PDO chart where they just vanish all of a sudden and then they pop their head back up again and they vanish again. Yeah, they really have uh, (laughs) popped right off of that thing. And, um, you know, average is a reasonable uh, expectation, especially (laughs) from a goaltender who has, you know... One playoff run, you can, you know, get through, like a Cam Ward, Consmoy playoff yep, run. of course. Matt Murray's done two. Well, one and a half. And that's that's probably the thing that it worries me now, only because who's next? It's just Tristan Jarry. But he's had a, a history of getting hurt since he's been in the NHL. So I don't think he's healthy at the moment. I think he's carrying something... Yeah, and I don't like to throw around the injury-prone label because um, some of it's been, like, I think the Flyers one was a concussion. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it feels to me as though, like, one of the bonuses of Murray is that he's so big, but he's very good going left to right. He's not looked very, very good this year going left to right. You know, everyone complains about his glove hand, how he gets beat there all the time. But well, I think, every, all of them do. I know, I know. But I think he's off his angles a little more because he's not, he's, probably need to talk to Nick Mercadante about this, but it feels as though he's not getting square to the shooter because he's not pushing as hard. So he's not in position where he needs to be, so he's not square. Well, I, I think there was a moment in the season this year that would, uh, you can make a hypothesis on why, if that was your assessment of him, why it would be. And I, I mentioned the Flyers concussion that kept them out of the 2016 start of the playoffs. Didn't Jari have to start against the Rangers for a game? I think so. And that was before he was like, they were comfortable at all letting him. Well, uh, it is funny with Jari because him and Murray have both come up the system together. And Jari was the, more touted prospect of the two of them. 
So to see it sort of flip-flop like it is right now, it's um, it's amusing. I mean, the bonus Pittsburgh have got is they're only spending just over, or maybe just under $5 million a year on the goaltending position. They've just not reallocated that money. Well, actually, it's even less. It's four and a half. Um, it's a good place to be. Yes, but they've not allocated that fundage that they've saved from Flurry elsewhere in the roster. <laughs> not yet. Um, I think the so the Flyers can custom that year and earlier this season. Remember when they uh, the guy accidentally crashed into Murray and he kind of got his right leg up near that right yeah, post. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Probably that's probably a groin thing. And I've yep. had groin issues as a regular skater and i can't imagine trying to play that goaltender position uh with a wonky groin because that that doesn't sound good at all so the thing for me with that is that just play jerry yeah he's been uh league average and that's okay looks fine looks good to me yeah you know what, if he hadn't had his hand whacked in that Philly game, I reckon they would have stuck with him. But because Murray came in... Oh, yeah, for sure. Because Murray came in and didn't... Halfway. Yeah, and because Murray came in and didn't give up a goal, they were like, all right, Murray's obviously feeling all right. And then you get the the Carolina display. So there are more problems than Murray with this team, and we'll go over them, but his inconsistencies this year have not helped well, this team balance out the poor shooting percentage. Well, the team's problem is totally Ryan Reeves. <laughs> oh, man, that's my favorite straw man of the year. Mm-hmm. Can't criticize Ryan Reeves. He's not all the problems. Well, no fucking shit. Come on. What are no, the, philosoph- the philosophy behind that whole thing is a problem. You look at all of the skill that left this lineup from last year, and they replaced it with no skill. In fact, they traded skill away to get players and people wonder why they struggle. You get a 5-1 result against Philly because the depth scored and that's the only time they'll score again for the next 20 games. Yeah. um, Sid is on the struggle town at the moment. Yeah, and that's a weird one. Yeah, he's 30. I've said the last two years you have to start expecting him not to be the number one guy in the league. And he's certainly not, certainly not this year. No. Even strength stuff has fallen off so far that it's uh, Is it concerning or surprising? Right now, for me, surprising. You give me another year of this, I'll say concerning. Uh, some more things on it. But I'm not going to get in the business of doubting generational players who take care of themselves. It's not like he's slow or unable to, to or not strong. Uh, so, well, you look at Ovi. Everybody was everybody was calling Ovi done, and what's he doing? Leading the league now. So, if he does have a down year, I would bet your bottom dollar that he kills it the next. Yeah, Ovi's been great. Yeah, Sid's at a zero point eight five points per sixty. He's basically Tanner Glass. So how would that chart go, the Crosby to, to Glass chart? How small would that be now? I don't know. Dom, get on it, man. Come on. <laughs> uh, Crosby be the, the low-end guy. 
Glad so to that, be ahead of him. That, Ryan Reeves is at 1.08. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's bad. Bad, yeah. bad year for Sid. Lots of power play points, but not much at even strength. And this league, I think power plays are slightly up, but still not enough to make up for the fact one of your guys you lean on the most is not getting it done. You um, Nobody is. Nobody is. I don't know. I thought Phil's been doing it all right. Uh, Gino is at 1.78. He's leading the team. That is low for him. Phil's all the way down to 1.48. He's scoring it all on the power play, isn't he? Earlier in the year, he was um, producing even strength, and it's fallen off a table as well. The entire team sucks. Yeah. I tell you, they've got, the, they've got that PDO kibosh this year. And that's why it's, it's one of the reasons why I think they should just fold their cards for this season, trade away whatever they, they can or whatever they don't want to keep or don't expect to be able to keep, and go again next year. And I know you go, well, what about the three-peat? You know, no one's done it for forever. And it's like, so what? Go for three and four. Give yourself a legitimate chance to go for the one next year because this year, as far as I'm concerned, they're toast. All right, <laughs> so we got. I let me find some questions here because some people have asked um, questions similar to what you've just brought up. And let me find them. Um. So there's two similar ones. Brett Engel. Should the Pens freeze 87, 71, 81, 30, and 58 and carbonite and tank for Dolan? Okay, maybe not that extreme, but yes. <laughs> the, is it the Squanus? At the Squanus? Is it time to tank for Dolan yet? <laughs> Pretty Jesus. deep draft, too. I really don't see the team getting any less exhausted, even with trades. <laughs> Hashtag feels bad, man. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shape this uh, and, and involve the Buffalo Sabres here a little bit. If we're going to talk tank. Yep, yep. I don't... They're not tanking. They can't tank. They're too good to tank. Correct. They're not going to tank. And even if they did, like, Buffalo should be doing again. They have really redone the uh, lottery odds to the point where it's not... It's not as rewarding at all. Look at last year's... Devils and uh, Flyers. And they were middle of the pack in the bottom half of the league. Yeah. So I do think that it's not as simple as going all in or giving up. I think you can make – there's probably opportunity to make trades as long as there's a long-term scope to them. And that's what – some of them could make them slightly better this year, but position themselves a lot better than maybe the next two or three. And that's what petrifies me with this GM. Like, I don't trust him to think beyond the next day, let alone, you know, two seasons ahead. He doesn't have to, though. But no general manager does. They just play for their job now. Like, that's the problem with the, the way that job position is just built in, in old sports leagues, really. So you're right. But then when you throw in, uh, 
the GM's age and where he is in his career, this is his last stop. Yep, exactly. So why would he why would he wait another year? So it, I, I guess it depends on the support system in the room when they're making choices and how much he values what what's there. How much he's listening. I, I don't want to say that he's gonna totally just screw the future because I don't deep down I don't think he's going to intentionally do that but i do think uh the allure of a three-peat and and being in a cup window uh they may he may go he may go all in in some situations that really don't um give the team any better leverage of making the playoffs this year i just can't see the assets that they have that would enable them to get other talent into the lineup that would be better than the talent they're giving up to turn the season around well enough to accrue the points they need just to get to 95 points to maybe be on the fringe of the playoffs. The percentages now are stacked against them heavily. Just the mathematics behind it is really tough. So here's their situation. And I'm not even talking division, I'm talking wild card. Right now they have the Rangers, Carolina, and the Islanders all ahead of them. The Islanders have played one less game, they have one more point. You know, that's not out, outrageous to say, okay, catch the Islanders. The real issue here is they are now three behind the Hurricanes, who they lost to in regulation last night. The Hurricanes have played two less games. The Rangers have played two less games, and they are four points ahead of them. And, the, you know, when teams get to overtime, you, you can't really make up ground. If it was a 3-2-1 point system, I, I would feel differently, but it's not. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I would much rather it be two points for a win. That's it. You get nothing for, you get nothing for making it to OT. You get nothing for losing in a shootout. You just, you just win, baby, win. <laughs> I I like the three two one, but yeah, I I do too. But I I hate certain games being worth more points. That's all. Oh, every game should be worth the same, and for that reason, yeah. I'm with you on the uh, ditching the loser point. Or, um, all right, let's amend that a little bit. Not ditching the loser point, but uh, maybe not just two points or nothing. I would eliminate the shootout if you're not going to give a loser point, and I would have him play 10 minutes of three on three and bring back ties if that were the case. I think you could live with a tie after a 10-minute three on three. Well, the thing with a tie is that everybody walks away with a point, and... It's the same amount for everything. It's still only two points. That's exactly right. You don't have somebody walking away with two... And then somebody walks away with a, a point that just tuck away. I mean, if you have a look at if you have a look at some of these records, Pittsburgh isn't actually traveling too badly. If you take away the loser point, like Carolina has lost thirteen and lost eight in overtime, their record is actually nineteen and twenty one. Pittsburgh's is twenty and twenty two. Do you see what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, so that that's all. I just sit there with it, and it's like. Great, you got the game to overtime, but you still lost. Why are you being rewarded for that? 
Carolina's been on the wrong end of that in the last few years, I think. I have, so I'm not going to begrudge them. The system's the way it is, and you're not playing to, to lose in OT. It's just it's just what it is. So, Admittedly, if you have a look through that Eastern Conference, though, the teams that are good, like Washington's only lost three in, uh, three in overtime, and Columbus has only lost three in overtime. Tampa have only lost three in overtime and, and 11 overall for the year. So, you know, the good teams win. Straight out, I just think they should get rewarded for winning, and not having their, um, you know, their games marginalised by the fact that somebody walks away with fifty percent of the points that they've just won. So, uh, catching up is you have to assume the shooting and save percentage will come up, and I do think that will happen. No, um, they're not a terrible possession team this year. No. In fact, they might even be um, mildly improved from last year. As I... This is the thing. They're just they're stung with the bad PDO bug. That's the it. 10th they're overall, 52.03 score adjusted Fenwick. That's totally acceptable. That, that's fine. <clears throat> can't score, can't stop a puck. That's, you know, not, not going to work. So, but, and so this is the thing. That's that's why I don't... I, I'd rather them put their... Like, fold their cards and reshuffle the deck and have a crack next year with a new fucking dealer because this year it's just it's not going to happen you get teams that ride a great pdo pdo wave like you know calgary did a couple of years ago then got absolutely frog stomped in the playoffs by anaheim um or i'm sorry colorado well colorado is another great example as well um and you and you, you can't make decisions based on the fact that your goalie was you know standing on his head, and you were shooting everything in. Pittsburgh, so Pittsburgh Washington last make... year. <laughs> Sorry? Pittsburgh, Washington last year. Exactly. So you can't make you can't make um, roster decisions based on the fact that, like, what you don't want to do is trade away somebody who's not shooting particularly fantastically this year, like a Jake Gensel, because he was never going to shoot what he was at the start of his career. Hey, he's not shooting that bad. I think he's around 12%. Is he still 12%? Yeah. He's coming so he's, down from 20. Yeah, so he's come back down to what you would expect a normal player to be. If he shoots 12 the rest of his career, you're absolutely stoked. Yeah, that's so, really good. Sitz you know, is a Haglund, shooter, or maybe 14. Yeah, Haglund's not going to shoot this again next year. He won't be this bad next year. But can you keep him around for what he's worth? Um, let's, let's. Okay. okay. Haglin. Was this was bad this last, year, last though? year, though? And it's happening. So again. you're telling me he's had 24 months of this? Anaheim obviously wasn't too thrilled with him to move him like immediately after giving him a contract. He comes into Pittsburgh, and it was great. <laughs> great line, lightning in a bottle. That was really fun. That was fun to watch. Um, it was the first time in forever that Sid and Gino didn't have to do it all. In fact, it, at times you could argue HBK was doing it all. And that's, you know, that's it's nice when that happens. But he hasn't done shit offensively in forever. And Since you can't that, blame quality of teammate and that stuff. Carl Haglin um, um, will always, always 
have good possession numbers because he's not a bad player. But at some point for $4 million, you have to ask yourself, where's the offense? Because if you just want a possession guy, you can go find the Eric Condras of the world from a few years ago. It's really funny, you know, because the Ranger fans weren't upset that they lost Hagwood. They were really happy they didn't pay that contract that Anaheim did. And they were, you know, so frustrated with him to the sense that it's like, you get into all those good positions, you just, you don't finish. Um, everything you've just said pretty much nails that down in that, like, he's always going to get there and have, have good numbers, but it's the whole, you know, it's the LA Kings question. Are they good shots? Why is their possession, why are their possession numbers so good, but they get no return for it? What's going on with Hagelin? That's the same sort of thing. Yeah, it's, um, it's difficult. Would you just trade him as a salary dump? Yes. Yes. Because there's still another formula on the hook next year. <laughs> That's the other problem. They've got no flexibility at the moment, have they? Not as much Not as, as, they'd, as like. they'd like. And, and you, know, you know, I would I never would suggest never trading him coming off the off HBK, HBK stuff. stuff. And I didn't. And I didn't. But, but since, since then, then, his value has plummeted. And he's 29, so he's going to be 31 at the end of that contract, if not 32. And that's, that's, that's fine. That's fine. He's fast. fast. He's... But the offense, the offense man, man, what? His hands aren't his hands terrific. Are terrific. He's not a playmaker. He's not, a playmaker. He's not scoring he's goals. goals. Not worth $4 million. He's just skating up and down the ice fast, really. And some and of that some is that great is on forechecking and closing down lanes and stuff like that and you know the problem with getting rid of, of a guy like Hagelin is Pittsburgh's based their success on speed and they kind of a little bit gotten away from that recently this year specifically and that would really hurt him in that sense but it, if you were uh, to use the the listener tweets tanking the year <laughs> Go for Darlin. Um, he'd be a guy I'd look to move the contract. It wouldn't make the team uh, better losing his speed. But if you want to keep the window open, you can't pay a guy $4 million to, to never score goals as a forward. And that's that's kind of my that's kind of my argument with the kill the season. Like I know the guys are joking with the questions in regards to, you know, tank for Darlin, but I'd much rather see this team, and like you said though, because the the lottery's changed now with the percentages, you know, we all know that the league wants Pittsburgh to succeed, so as soon as they end up in the lottery, they're going to get that number one draft pick anyway, we know this. Yes, this yeah, is true too, too. forgot about, about that. Huh. Well... I guess the other guess thing we haven't we talked, haven't talked about, about is uh, that Ian Cole for Connor McDavid trade hasn't been <laughs> consummated yet. Well, once that know. happens, we've, we'll finally have a third-line center. It'll be nice of McDavid to just only have to play, you know, 19 minutes a night and get the third-best D-pairing all the time. Yeah. I, I suppose... Here's... Okay, now we're going... 
See, See, that's why I like doing doing this podcast. We have a very loose loose game plan going into these. Loose is is polite. (laughs) We start talking about things and then things that we weren't even considering before we got into it today. So Ian Coltrade stuff is probably going to happen at some point. But in reality, like, get Matt Hunwick's contract the hell out of there. But they got that contract so they could get rid of Ian Cole, though. Yeah, I don't want to give Ian Cole his next contract, but he's the kind of guy, if things were going well, you just let him walk like Ben Lovejoy. But I think that was them trying to be smart. Let's grab Matt Hunwick. We know we've got Cole. We know we're going to get... I like the idea of signing uh, a guy who you think is Ian Cole. Not that guy, but a guy. Not, they got the guy wrong. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and the price wrong. wrong with that. Yeah, I don't know who they were bidding against with Matt Hunwick. Three years at age 32. Like, why? At 2.25. Like, who who was... And, okay, who cares who was bidding against him? Okay, have him. Thank you. Well, the other thing about it is, for me, it's only 150k more than Ian Cole, uh, currently, as Cole currently sits. That's not what Cole will get paid next year, we know that, right? But not for three years. Yeah, like, Cole will get three years from somebody. No, but not Hunwick, though. Like, don't do Hunwick for three years. Sign him like, for, like, maybe two. Even two, I'd be like, yeah. yeah. Oh, wasn't a great offseason. No, and that's that is kind of where this team pivoted to. I mean, they got by last year on a good PDO through, you know, good save percentages, good shooting percentages, um, not particularly great possession through last year's Stanley Cup win, um, and they were an exception to the rule across the last seven or eight years of Stanley Cup winners with the 17 Cup, and it's almost like they went, oh, well, we'll repeat that. That's fine. And it's... Like the PDA guys have said, oh no, fuck you, and um, are giving them a right royal rogering up the ass right now. And you can't change it. This is not going to change this year with a change of roster. It could have if it was earlier. <clears throat> it's past that point now. That's that's the thing. Like they'll go close to making the playoffs, but the percentages have to slide back. If they go back to just a hundred with their PDO, they're not they're not going to make it. They need to go on a, an absolute tear. And it they could need... happen. What also needs to happen with Carolina dropping games? Carolina, Carolina is pretty good. Yes, they are. Uh, you know, last night aside. You know. <laughs> Carolina, I'm not, just, I'm not just pumping them up because they dialed up the Penguins last night. Uh, they were a team that we talked about being okay heading into the season. And lo and behold, who's first in the league in possession? Carolina. The only, the only reason they're not in the top three in the Metro is the fact that they suffer a little bit from what Pittsburgh's going through this year. They can't get a regular save. Yeah, they're goaltending again, even though they, you know, they really tried to. Yeah, to absolutely. Can't, you, you can't argue with the process of that of, of that decision to take on Darling. You oh, would have no. expected at least league average. If they had league average goaltending, Carolina, 
I reckon they'd be right in behind Washington right now. We have a Carolina question from Jordan Faulkner. At Jordan 16 Faulkner. Are you guys glad to see a solid process-oriented team like Carolina finally getting rewarded? Looks yes. like this is the year they make it. Um, yeah. They, they've had Eric Tolsky there for a few years. Ron Francis is... You know, it's funny. You know, we talk a lot about the Penguins and where their GM came from. Ron Francis had to do a lot of house cleaning and, and fix a lot. That house, that house was broken. He did a, he did a bit of that clean out. He knew it was broken, and he did it before good old Tulski got in there. But he was wise enough to go. I need to be better at the margins. He doesn't he doesn't have the 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 roster, the money. He doesn't have the, the salary money to be able to just throw it around. He's got to use every penny for every goal. Yeah, he's yeah, not in an easy situation by any means. But, you know, it's it's not a star-laden roster. It's kind of exactly the opposite setup of the Penguins right now. Yeah. But their defense core, which was complete dog shit, is now really good. Wow, they can transition. And that's not even with uh, Hayden Fleury really panning out yet. No, but and that's the thing. They can transition through all six of their defenders. It's not like but in Slavin Pittsburgh where great. you've... Yeah, he is. Falk's obviously good. Hannafin's probably fine. Even Trevor Ramp, Van Riemsdyk, I, I bet in the role he's in, is probably doing okay. Brett Pesci as well. Like they can all they can all move the puck on their stick, and they can all hit an outlet pass. So they're mobile, and, and that's probably the biggest thing uh, for that Carolina defense. They're competent with the puck on this. They don't panic often. Um, I suppose you, you watch them play and you watch Pittsburgh play and unless the puck is on the stick of Schultz or Latang, that puck's just not getting out with any control and any of their defenders can do that for Carolina it's it's, it's well, wonderful to watch if Dumoulin or Mata have time and space they're they're fine enough passers yeah, but they can't they create, create their, their own space, space for themselves absolutely yeah. not. not in the way Schultz and Latang do and to be fair, to be fair the Penguins if we're without Schultz and Latang for you know more than just a handful of games yeah I know Latang's not looked right all year we discussed that last week um, he's looking better he is and you know he might get great by the time it's too late, though. <laughs> he's been he's been, he's been tracking good for a few weeks now, and you get some of them terrible mistakes he makes sprinkled in, and everybody's uh, jumps on it, and you know he's yeah, it's, it's, it's easy. It's easy to do. It's lazy, actually, to be honest. But the Tang is helping, not hurting. Obviously, in isolated incidents where they score a goal on a bad giveaway, that's not helping, but that's also one event. It's not helping that the goalies aren't making any of those saves. 
not that you expect them to make all of them because that's not realistic, but they're not making them at a really low rate. It, yeah, it's it's one of those things where the goaltending bailed some of those errors out last year for all of the players because they were so aggressive trying to get out of their zone that you are going to have passes picked off and all those sorts of things. To then have your goaltender not getting you out of a hole, no wonder it causes problems. Um, let me find another question. We'll take a, we'll do a break from Pittsburgh. We'll come back. We have more, more of those questions. Uh, Mate Roni. Sounds great. Have you been following the World Junior Championship? If yes, what went wrong with Team USA? Or are the young Swedes simply this good? I've casually watched it. The Swedes are that good. We've we have people um, messaging us to tank for Dalen. He's on Sweden, so <laughs> it's a very good point. It's a very good point, mate. I think Team USA was wasn't bad. Sweden's a, a good team too. And sometimes, in uh, a one and done format, you you know it's not your day. It's nothing. You, no, I can't really say anything against that. It's yeah, better team one on the day. That's just how it works. I think the gold medal game is, is it today. I think they both are today. You know, I might tune into that. Probably. Just to watch Dolan and the new. It's a nice. It's it's a really great tournament. It's it's really fun hockey to watch. I I do enjoy it every year, but I try to not follow it like I do the NHL stuff because I think a lot of the lower end people that analyze the sport really go over the top with conclusions based on. Six game Six samples. Games. <laughs> oh, absolutely, you're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in World Juniors back in five years ago, like who gives a fuck? <laughs> it's a two week tournament. It's fun to watch. Take it for what it is. And yes, these are the perceived best players. But what do we know about this sport? Nobody can be great all the time. Not even the greatest of the great. Ovi said they they. Even when they're going strong in the MVP years, there are stretches that last a week, maybe even two, where the puck's not going in the net. So why would we judge kids? And they're kids, by the way. And hold their whole future based on a mini tournament. Because it's easy. But with players that they're thrown together with that they don't normally play with. Just just even aside from that, you know? So, yeah. I, uh, what went wrong with Team USA? They got scored on four times and they didn't score any. <laughs> no, I, was, I like that. I like that. <laughs> That's analysis. what happened that day. I, I didn't see the game because it was at 4 p.m. And uh, I was out. Weird, weird game time. So. Well, considering it's it's considering it's a bunch of kids, yeah, it is a weird game time because you'd assume you'd want kids to go to it. All right, so, All right, so next, one. next one. 
Catelyn Michael has two. One's more of a, a funny comment that I think is it was worth mentioning, and then he has a, a legitimate question. Have you considered that maybe the Penguins just don't want to go back to the Trump White House? That's yes, that's correct. <laughs> I wish that were the case, but I think they'd go right back. Oh, yeah, Don't want to be political. No, I don't allow that. Right, um, so what's the serious question? That was the serious one. Oh. No, I'm kidding. Uh, would you go the NBA route and rest a star here and there? Give some AHL guys a look. Uh, Zach Aston Reese or Teddy Bluger, even if it was a mental break. Well, I think it's a uniquely timed question. I don't know for 100%, but I thought I read that the Penguins' bye week is next week. So I think that there's that built-in break, so you don't have to do that right now. And I don't think they'll ever – I don't think Crosby or Malkin will ever want to do that. And given the desperation for points right now, I don't think they it's even under consideration. Maybe if they were like 10 points ahead, you could um, – because Greg Popovich of the San Antonio Spurs does this with his players, and to a fault at times, because he'll rest like a ton of them, and therein lies the argument, uh, this is an entertainment product, and people are paying, and they're not really getting what they thought. Whereas I don't blame the coach for managing his team to give them the best chance to win, I do think sometimes the big picture gets a little bit lost in that, you know, people are paying to watch and to be entertained. It'd be rough if Sid and Gino just sat out a game together. Well, you... No, I'm not suggesting they just do that together, but... Hey, I would have been shattered if I'd gone all the way from Australia to Pittsburgh and they decided to sit them. So, I get why... As fans, you don't want to. So it's like, what do you do? And I think Wayne Gretzky, even way back when, had, uh, I'll be paraphrasing, I think it was on the Ultimate Gretzky DVD that I have somewhere in this house. Um, right next to the DVD player, probably. Um, was... I have to be on my game all the time because I don't know if that's the one time that kid can come see me play. Something exactly. along those lines. Yep. And, no, I remember uh, the quote as well. Yep. Yeah. So. I don't know. I think there's merit in um, the medical science of resting these guys. Don't think the NHL is a progressive league on that front, like the NBA, and I wouldn't be expecting it. No, like no. It, the only way I think it would happen is if they if it totally tailed off and they were suddenly, you know, you had said they were ten points clear. If they were like ten or twelve points out of a playoff spot and it was done, but this is a sport that prides itself on fighting to the bitter end. So I couldn't see them putting the pool cue in the rack and 
walking off to have a beer. I, I can't see that happening at all. Okay. At iFishyHD. And this is um, something that I've seen on Twitter quite a bit. Do the Penguins struggle simply boil down to playing 100-plus games over the past two years? Legs aren't fresh. Shorter off-seasons could be issue behind lack of detail. Um, I do not want to dismiss that as a non-factor, but it's not the driving factor. The lack of detail thing is where I I disagree in that I I can believe in players making uh, physical errors because they're tired or missing assignments because their legs are tired. What I can't deal with is skill errors like all the time or, you know, they just look disinterested at times. It's weird. And I know the core guys are a little bit, not a little bit, but six and seven years older. But when you remember the back-to-back Stanley Cup final appearances, the Detroit stuff, the next year, they dialed the Canadians up. And Marc-Andre Fleury is the reason they lost. Point blank. That's, oh, that yeah. was the time frame where he was terrible. Uh, legs weren't an issue. They were younger, but they were a good team. They had Jordan Stahl in that third-line center role. You see, that... 2010-11 was weird because they, you know, Sid and Gina were out. So it's um, – I don't really want to give them a free pass for the amount of games played, to be honest. I don't, I don't think that's what this is. I think what this is is you're looking at a roster that's closer to the 2013-14 Penguins than the 2015-16. Yep. It's no, there's no depth. It's top end, and the top end's just a little bit too old to carry it all on their own. So yeah, a lot of games played isn't helping those guys at age 30. But at the same time, as constructed, you shouldn't be asking them to do everything they're doing, regardless of age. And again, they're 10th in possession. It's not like they're a bad team. The PDO is a legitimate um, factor here in explaining the lack of success. So the process isn't completely broken. And, you know, I'm not going to pretend like it's it's the amount of games played because last year they weren't they were better than they are right now. No, it's they literally not, they're not finishing. It comes down to they can't put anything in the net and the goalies aren't saving pucks you would expect them to. And it's not like they don't have grade A chances. I just think they're they're stuck at the moment. That's where they're at. It's, the PDO is going to bleed them dry of draft picks or young talent that they shouldn't get rid of. Because um, Rutherford's not going to burn the season. Yet, but we are. I think there's going to be some kind of move 
coming up shortly. It'll be interesting to kind of see what that looks like. Make for an easy vlog. Say that. Whatever. You know. Easy time. Whatever the trade happens, you should just you should put up one blog and you should just have good or it should just have bad and then that's it. And then in a couple of hours after that, then post a proper one. <laughs> I don't know how my don't boss know would my feel boss about would that. that. Uh, who cares? He only pays you to do it. Jesus. Um Man. Alright. Jesse. God damn it. Jesse Marshall's going to make us work on my snow day. I, I wasn't planning on, uh, you know, really thinking too hard today. It's a non-school day, and he's coming, he's coming with legit questions. So, without further ado, here's the question with no prep or anything, because that's not what we do on this podcast. Um, how do you separate these performances from good coaching? It's obvious Sullivan has tried every approach in the book. Can we separate him from these performances? What's a fair grade for him at the halfway point of the year? Uh, so these are all legitimate questions. I don't think they're all easily answered. Uh, and I'll say the reason they're not all easily answered is on two fronts. You have to know exactly what system he wants them to play because some mistakes like a guy being wide open you don't know what he's been telling the f2 or f3 or f1 or the d what to do and maybe the one guy's doing his job and the guy you don't think blew the assignment blew the assignment kind of deal you know what i mean and the other thing is i'm not systems based analysis for my hockey buzz at least that's not classically what i've done so i'm not watching it like i i coach hockey every six days a week uh varsity high school so when i'm watching the penguins i'm not exactly doing system stuff because i have to do that at my day job yeah so i'm also not doing Corsi and PDO at the high school shit. <laughs> you know, it, it, either or, I'm not doing the same things for each of them because I don't. I think it would be overkill on my brain. So I'm not watching the system stuff as detailed as maybe I would need to to, to give a great answer. Um, also not being in the room, I don't know what kind of approaches Sullivan's trying because I, I really don't watch the I know their in the room series is pretty good a lot of fans like it and I'm not sure how deep they go into showing the the inner uh, workings of the locker room so I don't know if he's going hard at them yelling or, or uh, kill him with kindness approach but I think some of it is legitimately his roster is not as good and some of it is the trying every approach. He kind of juggles the lines uh, a little too much. I'll, um, there's a question that kind of tapers on to Jesse's question, which is from Nardo. And it's like, do you believe there's a disconnect between the GM and Sullivan? 
Okay. I have, okay. That's a good I have one to throw in here as well. I only do that because pretty much what you said on the money. I, I sit there though and it's like, I don't think Sullivan's changed his on ice approach. I don't think he's got there and said to the team, all right, or said to himself, all right, this team isn't as fast as I had last year. I've got players that can't make particular passes like they used to be able to do the year before. How do I have to change the way we break out? How do I change the way we forecheck so that we don't leave us exposed in particular areas? Particularly because my goaltenders aren't saving pucks like I've I've had previously. I don't think he's made many on-ice changes. I think Jesse's right in that he's tried everything he possibly can to improve what's going on on the ice within the construct that he wants it to be made, but he's not changed. I don't think he's changed that construct all year. I mean, take press conferences with a grain of salt, but every time they have lost, he's always about, you know, it comes down to our effort. We're not working hard enough. We're not winning the battles. And it's like, okay, that's the cliche line that he runs out, but that's been the same thing from day one. So I don't know if he's actually really tried to change anything on the ice, but I mean, what have you got to work with? I think and teams comes... have changed to them. Did they have? But he's not. He's not changed. That's the thing. It's a chess match for coaches. Sort of. Um, I'll, say I'll say this. Hockey, Hockey is, very is very simplistic. Very and at the NHL, at the NHL level, level, there are really only so many, so many things you can, you can do, do, given the given size and size speed of the players, players and the size of the rink. It's not like football where you have these elaborate um, schemes that the players have to take all summer learning. It's not like basketball where you have these intricate pick and rolls and specific shots on the court. Like if you want to um, – you're a basketball guy. Yep. If you really want to shoot from a spot on the court, you can set plays to get that shot. They do it for Steph Curry all the time. In hockey, I really want to shoot from that slot. <laughs> oh, okay. Or even lacrosse. There's there's more fine tuning involved with the the different setups. In hockey, it's it's more free flowing. Um, it's just not conducive to okay. So I'll, huge I'll coaching swings of. All right, so i put it to you so then. I'll try and word it differently. More so the attitude on the ice in the sense that this team was ultra, very successful with being ultra-aggressive on the forecheck and being ultra-aggressive at just leaving the zone almost seemingly without a thought. Now, they've not changed that philosophy with this change of the roster this year. It was fine for 16-17 because the roster was almost identical. There was no changes that needed to be made. He knew what he had. This year, though, he's got a fourth line he doesn't want to play on the ice. Um, That's a big... Got, okay, uh, so um, not to interrupt. You just said you just aggressive forecheck, speed, speed all the time. Well, well I'm going to tell you something, tell you something um, uh, back to my high school team. High school team. Um, uh, you know, we don't... He can't make trades at the high school level. You get who you get. And right now... Um, our organizational depth isn't where it's been in the past, numbers-wise, um, let alone at times talent-wise. We love running a 2-3-4 check where we send two four-checkers in really hard, but we also 
send the D up to the hash marks with the F3 really high. And given that it's high school and not every defenseman's, like, you know, adept at making center breakouts from their own corner, they usually mash it up the wall and we put pressure and then um, it creates that clog at the hash marks and then you can kick it back to F3 who slides in behind the pinching D. We have been running a 1-2-2 this year because we don't have enough bodies to maintain the energy that it's tough to tell your defensemen that they need to skate from goal line to opposite offensive hash mark and then have the forwards, and especially if you're talking about a center, play goal line to goal line at that tempo. And to your fourth line point, five minute a night fourth line or whatever it's been, you really want to get aggressive with stuff? Well, that's it's not because they played 100 plus games. It's because they're playing with two and a half lines. Yep. And that's where the aggressiveness, um, you can run that same forecheck, but you need to think about how the roster is constructed, and maybe there is a disconnect there. I have no idea. We know that Bilesma and Cheryl were hand-in-hand. That's pretty well documented. Um, let it be known, Rutherford did not hire Sullivan. He did not. And... I'm not saying that Rutherford and and Sullivan don't have a positive working relationship or that they're not on the same page. I don't know this, but I know that it's an unknown for the most part. It's not as transparent as the Cheryl Bilesma in tune with one another, having constant meetings. Um, And actually those meetings were on in the room or or were that? No, they were on, um, no, the high HBO, HBO. 24 yeah. 7. So, so. I, I think that it's a broken roster, and some of it is not. You're, a coach is only as good as the players, but the players are only as good as the coach putting them in a situations to be successful and not asking them to do things that are above their, their pay grade. Well, right like, now he's asking players that, to do more than their 7.8 mil or whatever the fuck it is that both Juno and Sid get paid. Like they're asking too much of guys that are that have aged out. You know, they're by no means on the the downward like the downward freaking fall off a cliff swing, but they're not 23 or 24 anymore where they can just take over games for weeks on end. It's just it's in regards to Jesse's question though. I'd give Sullivan a 10 for effort. He, he has. He's tried everything in the book that he can to try and motivate them. I, I just give him a, a a five for probably the way he's gone about what goes on on the ice. But I think you're right. He's handcuffed by the roster he's got. So, I know. Lock the season for the team. Meh. I think it's... No better than a C plus, probably a C. Even with the roster stuff, because I think some like Sid's not having a great year, but Sid has a new line mate every fucking game. I've just, I've just he's a creature. Like if anything's been documented about Sid, it's that he's weirdly a creature of habit to a fault at times, and you're changing up what he's playing with all the time and it's not that he can't 
rise above it, but like you brought in crappy Ryan Reeves to make him feel comfortable. You can't make him feel comfortable by giving him like a set line for a week or two or three or four. So I think some of the line stuff, he's a little bit handcuffed, but he keeps throwing out Kunhako, Rowney, and Reeves, at, and he does not have to do that. No, that that's probably the other thing with it. It's like you've got, I don't know whether Simone's going to move the needle or not, but it would be nice to put him in some situations where you could find out. It would be nice to put Daniel, Daniel Sprong at least, like I know we were just complaining about Sid's lines changing all the time, but how about you grab the kid, throw him on Sid's line for like three or four games, he did have perfect shifts. But... Shifts. One of his shifts was at the end of a game that they were losing, and it was like the last minute and a half of the game. Or actually, it might have been the Philly game that they won. I don't mind like was... playing with Gensel if Gensel is going to be the third-line center, which, by the way, no one kind of asked us line-related questions, I don't think. But That's where he, that's where he needs to be at the moment. I think so. Exactly I think right. Yep. And I don't have a problem with Sprong playing with a guy like Gensel. But if you're going to not trade Patrick Hornquist, he needs to play on Sid's line on the right wing. End of story. He's at 1.1 points per 60. He is not having a good year either. He's, like you've always said, he's volume. He needs high volume and decent quality volume so he can hack and whack. And without that, you don't. If you're not up there, you don't get that option playing next to Riley Shane. Sherry Crosby, Sherry Crosby and Hornquist. That should just be a line. If you're not going to break up Phil from Gino, you know they're trying Hagler there. I don't fault the logic of eventually maybe this guy will get his head out of his ass and put some points up. But I do think when Ryan, or not, not Ryan, Brian Russ gets back. Throw him with Malkin and Kessel. Throw Haglin with Gensel and Sprong. Leave Simon in. Take Reeves out. Sheehan. Honestly, I don't want Kuhnhackel in the lineup, but I don't see anybody below in the minors that's kind of ready. Aston Reese is not ready. But maybe, you know, everybody talks about these huge trades. Maybe all you really need is to get a better fourth liner than Tom Kuhnhackle. That you, the, if you the do lineup, it that way, the lineup you just rotated through then sounds a lot more palatable. Yes, it does. Assuming Gensel can do it, but I think he's a bright hockey player. He clearly um, has the hands and the vision. He is a natural center. This isn't, this isn't moving a winger to center. He Correct. was a center who went to wing to start his NHL career. Yeah. Jordan like a Gail Chenya. Well, <laughs> who's never been able to get back into the center. No, but no, it's similar in that the way the team was constructed, I have this really good player. Let's just put him on wing to get him in the lineup. Oh, he's, he is a good player. So, honestly, wing's really easy to play. I, I think it would be wise to do that throw him in the middle and look if if it gets there and you can flip and flop 
Sprong and and Kessel and see if there's chemistry between either or. Um, and the thing with Gensel, thing I'm, with sure, Gensel, that I'm sure that <laughs> everything's always defensive driven. I think with Sullivan to a fault, to a big fault. So if that that would be part of my C grade, is focusing so much on the defense. Why don't you really start thinking about transition and offense? to try and shake that shooting percentage because that's what's really dragging you down. Go all in on fixing that because the natural talent, there are past years of all of these players in large samples that they're all better than what they're playing right now. So put them in positions to where we're playing high event hockey, fuck it, let's go. And, I, they, and they are playing high event hockey, but... But the shots aren't shots really coming from the good spots because I think the overall focus is still take care of your own end. And, you I know, can't, I'm not I can't, saying it, but I don't blame them for feeling that way because they know their goaltender's not stopping the puck. So I don't, I don't argue that. Oh shit, we've got to be defensive-minded first. You can't hide your goaltending. I've tried it. Correct, and that's that's the important point. That's the thing. It's like. We're just gonna. You don't want to hang him out to dry and, and create a whole heap of two on ones and, and shit like that. But you've just got to trust the fact that if we have the puck more often in high event or not in high event in high danger areas, theoretically with the skills that we've got, we should start putting the puck in the net more often. I, I don't like. I don't like coaches asking players to drift away from what their their natural tendencies are. It's like the whole Sprong thing. Why did he have to go and and build up this, oh, I do actually know what I'm doing on the other side of the puck garbage? When, you know, there are guys like Carter Rowney who, whilst, yes, they might be okay at looking like they are better on the defensive side of the puck, but they can't do anything offensively to make up for when they get burnt. It's a double standard that I don't yeah, like. Sprong yeah, Sprong will return the favor. Yeah, and, and exactly his release was is outrageously, outrageously good. good. Like, yeah. like I, I dare I say dare better I than Neil's, and that I've that seen Neil's in person, and I was super I was impressed. impressed. Like right, so that, big, thing that thing jolted, jolted off his stick off with stick hardly any time or effort, and there was a, and there was a shot not in the Carolina game, the one before I think Philly. Sprong got a pass from maybe Gensel. It was on his stick a millisecond, and the thing was fucking. Laser beams laser above the crossbar, crossbar. Okay, uh, so from this is, middle to high spot. It was amazing. This is the thing for me. I don't want him to go down again for the rest of the year. So if he doesn't they already score started soon, the ELC when they fucked up the year one. So what's the I know. difference? But the thing is, I, I get there and it's like, I legitimately think they were hoping he'd come in and, and do a Gensel and just catch fire, right? I don't think he's going to do that, but I think he will get better and better as the year goes along. And if they are going to go all in and try and make the, the playoffs and stuff, they need him to be a regular scorer in the last 10 to 12 games of the year for when they get into the playoffs. So what's the point of sending him down, back down to Wilkesbury Scranton, when the best way for him to learn now and learn how to get to the spots to score is at this level anyway? I don't. I see no point in dropping him back now. You're losing anyways. Can't score anyways. Why not? You know. Correct. Absolutely. Um, 
Jesse, your question's just not going to die here. I'm not done. <laughs> it was a good one. Multi-part. As a teacher, I approve. Uh, where the fuck was I going to go with this? Oh, defensive pairings. And that will lead me into something about the line combos depending on time of game. So defensive pairings. They need to really just load up with the top four when they're healthy. None of this spread it out nonsense. Put Latang either with Dumoulin or Mata. Put Schultz with either Dumoulin or Mata. Play them both 23 minutes. Let Cole and Hunwick or Alexiak or Ruido scrap out the bottom part. You're paying these guys all over $4 million. Pair them together. That would be my first thing that I would do. Schultz and Latang both mobile, Dumoulin and Mata. Dumoulin more so than Mata, able to move. None of them bad at um, making passes, so let's get that transition game going a little more, back to my point of let's rock and roll. Because Hunwick, and Cole's not terrible, but he's he's not a super transition guy. You know what I mean? And Alexiak, I have confidence at all, is being uh, skilled in that area. From what I read from people that watch Dallas a lot he's not very good passer so um and then the other thing that I bitched about last playoffs when Pittsburgh every year I'll bitch about it in the playoffs when the Penguins are on the cusp of being eliminated when they're not scoring goals I and and this applies to Mike Johnston too why can't they take a page out of Dan Bilesma's book one of the great pages of his book Oh, there's a minute there's left a minute in the period? In period? Why, don't Why don't I put Sid, put Gino, and Phil Gino and Phil out? Or maybe it's or not maybe all three, not but all two, of the two, three. two of the three. I suppose every I time Malkin plays, it's two of the three. Put Sid put with Sid Gino, with Gino for, the for the love of God. <laughs> Why is this difficult? I'm a nobody high school coach. I load up my freaking lines at the end. There's a part of me that thinks it's ego. I, I can't speak I, to I any, of any of that. I just think I just from think a logic from standpoint, standpoint, why can't why you put your two best two players best together, together in situations, situations where there's no, where other, there's time no other time left, left before they rest anyways? Yeah, a minute to go in, at the end of each period. I I would turn it into a power play, to be honest. I'd How about put, this? I'd have, How about this? I'd have Schultz. I'd have Schultz and Latang out there, and I'd put Sid, uh, Malkin, and, and Phil out there. Absolutely. That gets, that it, gets in a perfect in world a perfect if the lines did, the work, lines that did work that way. Sometimes, Sometimes the, way the way the shifts go, the and shifts based go on how they're spaced apart, apart, you may never not, you may never, you may never get all of them with enough energy to do that. But I don't think he's even looking to do that, even if the 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 planets were to align. And to me, that's a gross, gross, (coughs) that's gross negligence. negligence. You know what I mean? mean? No, I totally agree. It is one of those things where Sullivan tends to process for the, one of the way to put it, the safe option or the defensive option rather than the aggressive, let's go ahead and do this to win. I mean, it's, it's tough. The guys won two Stanley Cups the last two years. 
Why yeah, but you know what? Guys like Bruce Boudreau don't have a Stanley Cup, and I don't really care to use that as the... No, what I, what I mean is, why would he doubt his processes more so, is what I'm saying. Yeah, if I, your I, result, I, you're not going to. And a lot of the fan base is, of course, results-based. Oh, and I do want to say, when we do criticize stuff like this, actually, I don't think the people that I'd be saying this to even listen to this, so it doesn't even really matter. By now, now, you're either on board with kind of how we go about it or you're not. Or you hate listening, and we appreciate that, too. Uh, uh, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. I just, it's one of those things where you, you, you know, we're reasonably objective in regards to the way the Penguins play and stuff. And you can see there are, it was the thing with Bilesma. He had no reason to change the way he went about his business because he was successful. He came in, got success straight away. It's like, right, this obviously works, and away he goes. You you found that the way he thought hockey should have been played didn't work so well when his roster wasn't as good for a couple of years in Pittsburgh and also the disaster in Buffalo. So you can see that sometimes these guys don't know how to change. They don't have that flexibility. And I think to me, that's what makes a good coach. That's... The thing with Babcock, I think, that makes, for me, makes him such a good coach is that you look at the awesome teams that he had in Detroit, what he's doing with um, Toronto is completely different to the way they, he's got a completely different style of roster, um, and he's coaching them completely differently. He's not trying to put his rubber stamp on top of that Toronto team because he knows that that's not going to work. It has to be done differently because when he went from, uh, Anaheim to Detroit, two totally different rosters, and he managed to make it work. So I think that's the next step in, in Sullivan's development as a coach is understanding that you're going to have to have some flexibility in, in, in what you want done and knowing how to get that across. Yes. Yes. I agree. I, agree. I remember what I was going for. I, I bailed you out there. Okay, go for it. Thank you. Um. Fans are pretty result-based, and that and that's totally fine. I'm not telling you to not enjoy the Stanley Cups. That's absurd. Uh, but from the angles we're coming at and, and what we do with this podcast and what I do with my writing, um, we're, we're more process-based. So that's where these criticisms come from. Understand that you can get great results when process not so hot, and you can get shit results when process is good. That's a dumb sport. So, <laughs> yes. I'm never going to tell people not to enjoy Penguins victories or stuff like that, but at the same time, don't get mad at me when I'm trying to figure out the hows and whys of what's happening. Absolutely. So, it, it, you know, the appeal to authority, they won two cups, how could you, oh, you're questioning a two-time Stanley Cup coach? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I am. The sport's am. not the sport's fucking complicated. complicated. <laughs> I have a yeah, decent, then, I have a decent enough background to the point where, point where what he knows and what I know isn't drastically all that different from schematics and like there isn't some magical forecheck that any NHL team's running that's never been done at lower levels. It's just I think this this is a sport that would do really well to start looking outside of the small pool of coaching and all that sort of stuff and general managers that they currently do anyway. Well, the only logical step next is what Ryan Stimson wrote about in his uh, 
uh, thesis statement. <laughs> it was a, he did a wonderful job. It was. And it was very detailed, and you have to be in the right mindset to dive into it. But that idea of not having positions on the ice, no more forwards or defensemen, and just playing five-man units where you don't have the specific two guys sitting back, you're reading and reacting all the time and closing gaps down. That's the next step in coaching hockey. Good luck. Is breaking the mold of... Not not off a not face off, off right wing left wing center. Obviously, you're still gonna have face off uh, setup like that. But eliminating the position of left wing, right wing center in defense, and just being F1, F2, F3, F4, F5. And I'm only using F just because that's terminology wise easier to understand. I don't even know what you would call each player. Do you know what I mean? It just and it would have pay. to come at the grassroots level of USA Hockey. I, that's where, exactly what I was um, exactly what I was about to say. It has to start down there, yeah. It will take some time, but I do think eventually in the next 20 years or so, we'll see uh, the positions as we know them kind of shift towards Ryan's um, what he wrote. And he put it out pretty matter-of-factly with so much detail and visuals of why it would make sense. It make sense. And, and, you know, when we talk about being talk aggressive about being and assertive with the forechecking, it makes it easier makes when, it you're easier not, when you're not, you're just asking the closest guys to go do it as opposed to, well, you don't want your defensemen going in and forechecking that low because they have to make their way all the way back. Well, no, they can go all the way in because they're the closest one, and the guys that are further back will just take care of that. Look, to be perfectly honest, you look at Eric Carlson and he is a fourth forward. He does those things. He's lucky at the moment because he's physically gifted to get back. But if you put a player like Eric Carlson in... Allowed a, him to even like, like press more and have a responsible guy. Responsible guy. Yeah. How the shift yeah. works. Just, okay, okay, this shift Carlson's up. Well, let's be honest. Most of them, <laughs> he's going to be up. And <laughs> <laughs> not from a selfish... I, I just want to be the guy that's up way. And you have a guy back, and he can just um, continue to press and be assertive. Yeah, absolutely. And Latang could be a guy like that. And maybe that's what Pittsburgh's missing. I don't see the defense activating as often as they used to. They, they, they not. Okay, that's so right. There you go. There's, there's another C. <laughs> C grade. Well, it, it doesn't, it doesn't help the defenseman to pinch in when the guys that are supposed to, the F three that's supposed to be getting to position isn't getting there. You, you actually see the defenders at times go to pinch, but the F3 is not high enough in the zone to actually get across and cover the point. I was F3 so in the uh, men's league game last night, consistently getting back into our own end. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, that is one of the things. And I don't know how you, I don't know how you correct that. Maybe that is a, a factor of fatigue. But when For it's, me, when you it, don't. That, I have no interest in back checking anymore. Of course you don't. Why would you? I'm out of shape. I don't, just... I don't give a fuck. Just I'll move when the puck's near me. Exactly. That's all it's about. Or I'll slow down I'll and slow let a bunch of people come to me like, oh, I can get him. He's not moving. And then just leave him <laughs> to the spot. Create odd man rushes, that kind of nice stuff. Oh, so you're Chris Kunitzing yourself. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mr. Yes. Fas- you're a facilitator. 
Dump yeah. it in a spot, let him scout on yeah, the end. End days are yeah. fucking. They've been gone for over five years now. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to discuss? There are a few topics we haven't even gone here, but yeah, we lied about yeah, the Pacioretty thing. thing. Yeah, that's. We can save that can because save I don't think that's, that's going to be resolved. No, not between now and the next podcast. Well, maybe. Famously, well, maybe. In even 12 if it hours, is, it's done. We'll certainly talk about it. Uh, well, I, I guarantee you, whatever happens, it'll be us trashing the hell out of Mark Bergevin. That's what'll be happening. What if he gets Connor McDavid? <laughs> that Oilers team is just. See, that's a results driven problem right there. They looked at the results they got last year and not the process of how they got to those results. Relied too heavily on a goaltender. And uh, it all came unstuck. Yeah, so yeah, <clears throat> I guess it was a little penguin-centric today. Tiny bit. And hurricanes. Briefly. No, George was Briefly. Um, anything fun going on this weekend for you? No, we're packing up the house because we're moving. Oh, okay. So the next couple of weeks will be that. <laughs> I'm ripping up my kitchen floor after this is done. Oh, yay, snow day. Yeah, figure that's probably a good day to do it. Um, then I'm just going to play a lot of Zelda. And since Jesse, no, I know you've Jesse, been talking Switch, talking on, Switch Twitter, on Twitter, and I know you got one, <laughs> and I know you're playing Zelda. Good man. Good man. <laughs> Welcome to the club. I haven't been on the Nintendo, been on the Nintendo system, train system train since N64, since N64 but, uh, but uh, the Switches. Yeah, I've heard. Actually, I found my one-year-old with the with the Switch hiding behind the couch, all quiet. See, when she gets quiet, you have to really wonder what the hell's going on. What's she fucking up? <laughs> and she just she was playing Zelda, well, quote unquote playing. And I'm just she looks up and smiles and just looks back down at the game and is hitting buttons. And I'm like, okay. It's not that I don't love you having fun here, but maybe uh, I'm going to take the Switch from you because you're going to crash this screen uh, sooner than later. Give me that thing back now. But when there's silence with her around, it's not good. You know something's going to happen. She's really good about... uh, I'm doing something that I'm going to get away with. Let's not make a lot of noise, and I can do it longer. So I respect it. Good on you. We are on to you. I take it she picked it up from her father? Yeah, maybe. So, um, I guess that's it. That'll do us. Well, you know where to find him. He's at, uh, at hockeybuzz.com. He's also at Gunner Storm uh, on Walshy66, I think, on Twitter. We're at hockey underscore hurts. You can find my writing. Oh, I wrote an article the other day about freaking suspensions again. Um... At, at hockeybuzz.com, uh, you can find no, us no, on no. Facebook. You're on hockeyhurts.com. Oh, am I? Yeah. Shit, I am too. Good point. Thank you. Um, yeah, just make sure you rate us. Sorry, I don't have any weird noises going on anymore in the background. That's what happens when you move. Um, I'll yeah, get away from Chainsaw. I two ratings. I looked the other day. Because hey. I, I, um, 
for my health class, for my health I'm class, actually I'm assigning, assigning one of their projects is for them to create a mini podcast about uh, different topics. So, oh, I thought you were literally going to say the project was to make sure they rate us. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just to rate our podcast. No, you know what? Maybe I should do that. Uh, <laughs> so when we do the drug unit, they're all going to have the, the, there's pulled out of a hat with their partner, a, a drug, and then record like a five minute podcast about it. I'll have like a rubric for what they got to do. It'll get saved to Google Drive. They'll put it in Google Classroom. They'll comment on each other. So technology is a really cool thing now. Yes, that's and pretty they're cool. Like, I'd love how to do you know how to do all this? And I'm like, I have a podcast. And, you know, they're like, <laughs> you know, well, anybody has one. I'm like, it's five-star rated on iTunes. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> they start paying attention all of a sudden. They don't. They, I like it when that. Well, they don't really use Twitter. They use Snapchat for the most part. We're too old. We're too old for Snapchat, man. Too old. I'm not too old. I just old. No, nobody I know nobody uses it. Know Maybe because they're too old. Are you over thirty? Yeah. You're too old for Snapchat, man. Yeah. John Mayer uses John it. Mayer He's uses older than me. Well, he's younger than me. Is he? Is he's he? cool. He's cool. John's cool dude. John's cool so dude. he's on Snapchat. I'm not. I'm, I'm old. <laughs> All right. On that wonderful note, we should get out of here. Yeah. Or do you want to yeah, do another I'm hour? <laughs> all right you really go. don't want to go do this floor do you yeah that's really yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, all right i'm gonna go do this stupid floor all right thank you all right thank you see you guys